This message is brought to you by IOM America and the International Fellowship of Exchange Life. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I am your ministry host. We hope that the Lord blesses you today as you listen to our podcast. So today's message is entitled, Let Your Yes Be Yes. Okay, let's take a look at the passage for today and that's Matthew chapter 5 verses 33 through 37. And it says, again, you have heard that the ancients were told. These ancients were the patriarchs, the heads of home, that God would impart the word to. And he was almost guaranteed to be able to take the, these patriarchs would take this word and wash their wives with it. And then they would turn around and invest it into the children. Then when the children got to a very critical age point, 10 years of age, the young ladies would literally have to be completely equipped and completely finished with training their daughters of being able to handle the complete entire household. 10 years of age. They ran the house just as a woman would. At 10 years of age, the young men were turned over to their fathers. The, the mother of the house was not to instruct her, her boy at any point at 10 years of age. He was released to the, to the uh, man of the house, and that man of the house would complete that young man's education because he had from 10 years of age to 13 years of age to polish him off for his bar mitzvah. That was not to be done by a woman. It was to be done by the father. Just as the father would not mess with the intervention, so to speak, of a woman at 10 years of age being polished off to be, at 13 years of age, a wife and mother. Someone please tell me how old Mary was when she actually gave birth to Jesus. 13 years of age. That means that she was engaged to Joseph at 12. And that is not uncommon, not at all. So what has happened in our culture today is we have moved the average age of adult responsibility to be today the average age of a young person leaving a household is 25 years of age. You have to look at the sexual issues that start at 11 years of age and how these desires continue to be delayed until the average age of marriage, being in the low 20s, you are asking for immorality. And, it be, it, and that is the problem we're dealing with today. We are changing the standards of the ancients, we're told. No, I'd rather listen to what they were told and at the age that they were told. This is a critical statement for the principle that we are going to be revealing in this passage. You shall make, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. There is a passage that says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man, somebody please finish this verse. It's recorded in the book of life. The book of life is not this Bible. This is the wedding book. The book of life is a book that God keeps where he records every thought, every deed of every human. And every word that proceeds out of their mouth is written inside this book. It's going to be a very large book. Every word. So every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man, I hope you're seeing what this passage is saying, God will hold you in account if you make promises. Which is what a vow is. Getting people to keep their promises is sending people into the no. No man has the ability to keep promises. Nobody has the ability to keep promises. 
If you start rattling promises out of your mouth saying, well, I promise you I'll be there by five, I can guarantee you the enemy heard that. And he will set the stage to make you look like the irresponsible one. It is not right. Do not make false vows before the Lord thy God. If you say it, he will hold you in account to that law. He doesn't want you making laws to live by, but if you do, he will make sure that you live by them. He'll make sure that you get exhausted by them. He will make sure that that no drives you to a yes. This is how this passage works. He goes on to say, But I say to you, make no oath, promise at all, not by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, which is our headquarters, which is our hometown. Your hometown is not Sterling, Kansas. Your hometown is Jerusalem. There's an old one and a new one. It's your hometown. It's where you're from. And you're not even to make a promise by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, a decision up here. For you cannot make one hair white or black. And then he finishes with probably one of the most popular passages in the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, and that is, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything above and beyond this is of evil. Anytime you have a child that will not answer you, they are of evil for that moment. Anytime you have a child that shrugs their shoulders like this, where they go, ah, no, they're of evil. They have fallen into an evil category. If you let that child get in the habit of shrugging their shoulders or using silence to answer you, they will become an evil child. They will become an evil adult. They will become bound by evil. Jesus is warning us of this. What gets people into trouble is promises. Because if you say it, God's going to hold you to it. If you say it, it's going to get written in heaven. He wants you exhausted by your laws and rules. He wants you worn out. He wants you collapsing on that bed saying, I can't do it anymore. And he's going to go, yes! He's getting it! Yes! God is a God of the yes. Well, we're not done. In fact, hang on, we're just getting warmed up. I need two Hebrew children today, just two. We're not doing the house today, we're going to do nails. Do you want to do the nails or the hand? I would too. Okay. Now we have to have the hand first, so Grace, you stand there. And then we're going to have the nails, so you show them the nails. Okay, here we go. The first letter is cough. <coughs> it's coughing. It's cough, but it actually means not the hand, but the palm. So cough being the palm means to cover. You're covering something. You're covering your mouth. It, the poem oftentimes is associated with covering. It also means to open your hand to someone. It could be a greeting. It could be giving them something. It's, it's opening yourself up to them. And then the, the final one is it is to allow. So when you're opening your palm to someone, you are allowing them to whatever. Okay? Now the second letter is Vav. 
and that is the nails or the nail and it could mean to add it could also mean like end in a sentence or the most common one it's used for is to secure so if you're nailing two pieces of board together or in this case we're literally putting a nail through the palm please keep in mind this was written long before Jesus Christ had a nail put in his palm now we put these together okay kids you can have a seat thank you cowboy you did it it means yes means in Hebrew to open the open palm that contains the nail now you think about this guys what does that have to do with yes what does that have to do with Jesus saying for I am the God of the yes what does that have to do with Jesus saying let your yes be yes and your no be no anything above the yes and the no is evil let's literally translate it in the Hebrew folks Jesus saying, let your open palm, that can, my open palm that contains the nails, or my open palms do not contain the nails. What was Paul's summary of the only thing he wanted to know about life when he was in his older age? For I determined to know nothing but... Jesus Christ in him crucified the nails in the palm. He is saying there's nothing out there that matters. Not your piddly little details that you create legalism about every day in your life. He says there's nothing that matters but the nails and the reason for the nails being in my palms. I open my life to you and then you pierced me to the tree with your hostility with your silly rules with your Bible versions you pierced me to this tree Paul understood the yes and the no without question it's way too much evidence that he got it yes there are no no's in heaven. You see, what we do in our prayer life is we are constantly seeking God to find out if he's going to say yes about that move or no about that move. That is not a good prayer. That is a childish prayer and God tolerates it because he knows how we are. God doesn't want to say no. He wants us to find the yes. So whether we move or don't move, it doesn't matter. Whether the marriage makes it or doesn't make it, it doesn't matter. Whether we're financially stable or not, it doesn't matter because we are caught up in the God of the yes. Everything's yes if we're smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Everything is yes. Whatever you ask, you shall receive everything is yes if you're in the middle of the yes if you're in the middle of the no that's a different story and you think God's gonna find some kind of enjoyment of going Stephen that's a no no he's gonna be silent with me I'm the one that has to come to the conclusion that it's a no allow me to explain that the Greek says this the Greek is simply moreover or now so even in the Greek I kinda like that where it says yes in the Greek means now it's not delayed it's not figured out it's not study about it's now yes is now we put the two of these together and we have the open palm that contains the nail for the now 
In other words, the, the fact that Jesus Christ and him crucified is always relevant, even after the wedding feast. We will see the nail-pierced hands for eternity. They're always there. They always matter. You see, this is the evidence of the yes. Sealed us with the yes. Let's take a look at this in 2 Corinthians that was mentioned earlier. Chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this. And he's actually posing it to them in the form of a question. Was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh so that the me, there will be yes, yes and no, or no at the same time? Now please try to take a couple moments. And I had to do this over and over and over this week. What exactly are you saying, God, in this question? It's not just yes, me saying yes. It's not me saying yes and no, maybe. It's not me saying no. So what is it? He goes on and says, but as God is faithful... Our word to you is not yes and no, which is maybe, I'll think about it, I'll pray about it. When you have someone say, I'll pray about it, and you've just asked them to do something that has already been confirmed in the absoluteness of the word of God, and they're saying, I'll pray about it, do you know what they're confessing? I need to get with God to see if I can change his mind on this. Because I'll tell people right up front, you may go pray about it because you need to wrestle with it with God, but don't go praying about it tell me if it's truth or not. This has already been nailed to the tree. Praying about it is not what you should be saying. It should be yes. I mean, your kid's got a screwdriver in the socket and they're looking up you say, well, mommy, I'll pray about that. That's how ridiculous this is. This emergent idea that Christians are praying about what God said is the yes already and has confirmed it. It's ridiculous. Yes is now. And it's to save you now from being electrified by sin. It's for now. Don't think about it. Don't yes and no it. Don't run off for three or four days and intercede and meditate on the word about it. Just say yes. And that is what God is offering all of us. He's not done. He says, for the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who has preached among you by us, by me, the, the Silvanius and Timothy was not yes and no, but yes in him. I mean, it's absolutely a powerful passage. Timothy, who was a disciple, who was a spiritual son of Paul, had already got this. He got it. I am not going to be of the yes and no. I am in him which makes me the yes. It is one of your identity names. You are the yes. For as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. God is the only one that has been given the prerogative in the scriptures to make a promise. The only one. Jesus himself. 
was sent to deliver the promise of God. He was the promises of God fulfilled. And we think we can go around and make promises to people. Well, I promise you I will do that. I promise that I will. You have my word. Those are all dangerous statements. Just say yes. I'll do it. Now I'll do it. If you can't do it now, then say no. I cannot do that right now. But I may, may change it to a yes tomorrow. That's what he's talking about here. No one's hopes are getting up because you said no. But how can you say no and yes unless you're hearing the voice of God? It's impossible. Do you know how many emergent people run around every day of their lives making statements out of their own brain into statements from God? Divorcing spouses and on and on and on and on. They heard God and they said yes. I'll tell you what God they're actually listening to. It's not the one I serve. And that affects all of us. We all think we hear the voice of God and all we're hearing is a bunch of selfish thoughts that wants to change the mind of God. He finishes with this. Therefore also though him, Christ, is our amen, our, our finish, Alpha and Omega, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Mankind is not to make pledges. Pledge in the Greek means promise. I promise you, I will financially care for you. That's a pledge. There's usually money connected to it. Prosperity connected to it. And here, God himself is making a promise. I make the promise that I am going to send the Holy Spirit to indwell your mortal body. And I'm going to make a seal around that promise. And nobody can break that seal unless you can find some spiritual being or human that is more powerful than the one who made the seal. I can open up a can of beans because man invented a seal to seal the beans. And I can go invent a device to open the beans. It takes someone more creative than the one who provided the seal to reopen it. It would take someone more powerful than God to break the seal of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, he goes in and says, I am making a pledge with your life. I'm not only giving you the yes, I'm not only sealing that yes in you, I make a pledge with your life. And I'll make the payment. And I'll give all this to you free if you choose the yes. Not maybe. Not I got to pray about that. We'll see. Not this year. It's yes. If you miss your anointed time of the yes, I'll let you fill in the blanks. That is completely up to God in His grace whether He comes back and revisits that moment. That's God's deal. Everything has its perfect moment. Even salvation. Let's talk about some of those selfish choices. We're reading now Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It says, But because of your stubbornness, in your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath. And the day of wrath is how many years? A thousand. This is the day of wrath. This is New Testament. He's saying, All you stubborn, stubborn is the term in the Hebrew of witchcraft, all those who you're suffering of witchcraft, 
A stubborn child is a child who is practicing witchcraft. Divination is the term that is used in the King James. It means witchcraft. All those of you who are suffering with witchcraft, which makes you unrepentant, please know this, that you're storing up these choices because he's writing them in the book of life. They will be reread, saved or not. They will be reread. If you're saved, have them blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God for the indwelt who will receive pure justification and freedom at that very moment. But it does not mean it's not going to be stated. In fact, there are scriptures, as you know, that say the bride of Christ will be judged first. We're first on, on the chopping block. We will not be sent to hell because of our sins, because of the blood of Jesus. But those who never receive the yes will receive the consequences of the no. Their missed opportunity for salvation. So now it goes on and says this. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of judgment or wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. Not just the unsaved. What are we going to get rendered to us? Is because of the deeds of the yes. That'll be given to us as a free, graceful gift. Not earned, not tried, not practiced, not prayed, not with anything added to it except for, here's the gift of my works in you and through you. Free. No Bible studies to figure it out. It's free. Then it goes on to say, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek the glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but disobey, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. Now you guys have heard me preach on quite a few times that everyone is obedient 100% of the time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You are always obedient. This is where I get this. Scriptures truly are stated in the sense of who is your yes being saying yes to? We have the tendency to think there are some people out there who are truly disobedient. Now yes, if you're saying yes to one leader, you're being disobedient to the other. That's true. But that's not what I want you to see today. I want you to see that everyone desires to be of the yes. Is it a yes of righteousness? Or is it a yes of unrighteousness? Satan himself loves to hear a yes. Obey me. Just as God wants to hear a yes. Obey me. It's that choice. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. Yes and no. Of the Jews first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. That's the element we're going to see in heaven that I think is going to surprise us a bit is Colossians 3.25. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of that which they do wrong and that without partiality. Everyone. Everything you do here on earth is either building up eternal weight in heaven for you, for your position in eternity, or not. Every decision. You will be very happy as a brick polisher, so you're not going to be unhappy at no matter what position you're given. But the point is, some will be rulers of nations and others will be doorkeepers. 
we need to understand that every decision of the yes that's made today builds up eternal weight of glory. We have to see that. We just have to. Here's a diagram, and I consider this to be such a significant diagram that I made copies for you guys. The number of this diagram is called YN-100. And you can find this diagram on the PDF file if you're listening to this audio in our podcast. Go back and open up the PDF file where you find the audio file and you will see this diagram. So here's what we're looking at. For the people of the yes, and that's what we are being called by God because God is a God of the yes. Underneath God, we have Jesus, who is the son of the yes. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of the yes. You see, the reason why that you don't hear any stories about the Holy Spirit struggling between yes and no is because there's no evil in the picture of the Holy Spirit. There's no no. There's no battle between the yes and the no. The Holy Spirit is always saying yes. And you have that yes living inside you. You have that pledge living inside you. You have the yes literally breathing inside you. And Jesus, the Son of God, is always yes. He said this. He says, whatever you hear me say, it is not me who says it but it is the words of my Father. If one of the 13, 43 names of God is yes, which it is, Jesus is saying this. When you hear me speaking, it's not really I who is speaking, but the yes who is speaking through me. I automatically say yes to my Father because I am the Son of the yes. And the Holy Spirit... John 8, 28, the calling there is to bring to remembrance the words of Jesus, who is the son of the yes. So now, we have you and I, the people of the yes. Now since there's evil around us, and since there's evil inside of us, because of the sin that got passed down to us through the seed, there's actually sin inside of our mortal bodies that's killing us and destroying us all day long. You can tell by cancer. You can tell by all the diseases that are in the world today. We're dying daily. The reason why you have gray hair is because there are dead cells escaping out of your body saying, this is proof you are dying and see death always moves from the internal to the external and he has designed our human body to actually minister to us in that way that's why you have fingernails that's why you have toenails it's evidence of saying you're dying be ye prepared for your day of reckoning. So you got sin inside you that's saying, You are dying. You are dying. You are dying. And then you have the Holy Spirit living in you going, You are living. You are living. You have sin inside you going, You're of the no. You're of the no. And you have the Holy Spirit and you're going, here of the yes, here. The flesh wages war against the spirit. The no wages war against the yes. And the yes wages war against the no. Why does God have to set us up like this to make choices? Why does Jesus have to step up and say, you've heard the ancients were told. You're forefathers were told but I say to you let your yes be yes 
and your no be no, and anything above or beyond this is evil. The term there in the Greek evil is devil. Devil, the last I heard and read, was one of the 13 names of Satan. It's the devil's life. It's the devil's environment. You see, if someone says God sets them up for a choice to choose yes or to choose no, if someone chooses a no, no, I will not listen to you today, Lord. He's okay with that. He's not okay with you sinning. But see, that's a child going, no, I won't. Well, you take the child and you discipline the child and turn it into a yes. Pretty easy, isn't it? How do you discipline jello? How do you put a, a nail into the palm of jello? How do you guide and direct jello? Gray matter. The church today is a big bowl of jello. You can't tell it what to do. You can't form it into something. You can't, you can't correct it. You can't spank it. You can't do anything but let it be jello. It's sweet and you can eat it, but it's got zero nutrients for you. That is what Satan wants developed for parents. To be perfectly blunt with you, I look at some of the children that suffer with this, even in our little fellowship, and I become quite alarmed of how many kids are left to make decisions on their own and they most of the time through their lying and stealing and cheating and conniving ways is confessing to the parent I am of evil and the parents do nothing about it their passivity they're not really yes mommy they're not really no mommy their silence and and covert operation of cheating and lying is saying I support evil and they just grow up with it. And all of a sudden they get in their 20s and 30s and they go, what did we do wrong? Well, I'll tell you exactly what you did wrong. If you put the focus on teaching and disciplining your children of the no, they're going to say no more often. Romans chapter 7 verse 5 says, the law arouses sinful passions. It isn't about the no. It's about you allowing them to choose no. You stay in the yes. Now I want to show you something. Everything, everything on this side is of righteous lifestyle. Everything on this side is an unrighteous lifestyle. Satan's goal is to get people to be dropped into this evil zone where they're just a bowl of jello. They can't be moved and motivated anymore. He wants the whole church to be so overwhelmed with evil that they don't know what is right and wrong anymore. You can throw heavy-duty sins at them like, let's pick homosexuality, where the word actually says they won't even get into heaven. Quote, unquote. It happens to be the number one issue in the church today of not only accepting the homosexuals as a gender choice, but putting them in as pastors. I mean, logically, walk that all the way through. You're going to have someone leading an entire congregation in evil? I had a pastor from Africa ask me this question about five months ago. He says, do you think it's possible that the majority of the pastors of America are of Satan? 
and for me to say this is significant, I was a little bit blown away. His perception as a pastor was, you guys are so lukewarm, you don't even know what church is anymore. There's no absoluteness in your country. He's defining what a successful venue that has been provided to our churches here in America. And it starts by parenting. So you set that, that child up with the choice. Yes or no? Someone please read for us 2 Timothy 2.22. So here's how it works. This is the dividing line. Over there is what Timothy was just talking about as these youthful lusts or whatever. Over here is pursuing the desires of Christ in you. He's saying, flee. It is a fleeing. It's a, it's a moving to the yes. It's not fighting the youthful lust with flesh. That's when we have to bring out our rules and our guidelines and we beat to death the no with the law. And it doesn't do anything but produce more evil desires. The law arouses sinful passions. So this, I told you not to, when are you going to remember what? And that constant lecturing is producing more and more and more evil in that household. That is not what Christ does with you. He allows you to choose unrighteousness and allows the consequences of the unrighteousness to be your teacher. Not him, the consequences. The only time that Christ will teach you is when you're walking after righteousness. Do you understand that? I'll say it again. The only time that Christ will minister to you and teach you is when you're walking after the Spirit. Other than that, he is going to allow the Colossians 3.25 to be your teacher. And what does that say again? He who does wrong will receive the consequences of that which is wrong and that without partiality. Parents play this role of making sure the children become a children of the yes. And I can promise you that you'll end up with a no. Colossians is applied every time the child says no, no, no. The, the parent typically wants that child to be a child of the yes, like they order fast food. They want it now. They want that child to be acting like a 14-year-old when they're four. They want them to be more responsible than they are. Most parents who use the law to try to break the child are parents who are more irresponsible than the child. They are so confused by their own legalism that they don't understand they're training their children to be functioning in evil. That's the one extreme. Those are the parents that get the rod out and they spank their children over to the yes. It's one. Two, three, four, five. We have all, Jeannie and I have always taught the first spanking is for the child and the second, third, and fourth should be right there on the parent's rumpus. It's not the consequences that changes the child's life. It's the life of Christ. And that won't happen until that child is over in the yes. The transformation, the incredible work of the Holy Spirit will not transform that child until they are a child of the yes. When they're of the no, and they're taking more and more no's, 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 do you understand they're getting farther and farther and farther and farther away from the line, the delineation, the separation of an unrighteous world from a righteous world. You can make a yes. You can be 150 decisions of no's over here. And make one decision of yes. And you think you're safe. Boy is the enemy laughing in your face. 
You're nowhere close to being safe. That one yes does not redeem you into a righteous lifestyle. No matter how much you pounce grace on me. It has got to be a lifestyle filled with yeses. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And it becomes a lifestyle. But that first decision of yes is very, very important. The second decision of yes is very important. The third decision and so forth and so on and so forth and so on so that you become and I become a child of the yes. And the more yeses that we join him in, the more we become the people of the yes in him. The exchange life becomes the most practical life that is offered in life today. This is absolutely critical. Now finishing with the nasty zone. The evil zone is classically remembered by most people as kind of overt signs that someone is following Satan. You look at cer certain people and you go, man, that is just the child of the devil. Or you look at a certain adult and you just go, they're just... Yeah, they're just evil. No, those are the types that wear black robes. Those are the types that overtly say, I'm evil, if you haven't noticed. That's not the group I want to talk to. The group I want to talk to are you passive Christians who can't say yes and you can't say no. You're constantly shrugging your shoulders to God like you did when you were three years old. You don't want to commit to a yes and you don't want to commit to a no. Because if you commit to a no, you're going to get disciplined. If you commit to a yes, you have to become more responsible. And then you commit to a yes and you become more responsible. And then you commit to a yes and you become more responsible. And then can you imagine at 10 years of age having to run an entire household as a little girl? Wrong. 10 years of age, you're a young woman. 13 years of age, you should be bearing children. But in our Western world, we can't allow that. Because we have jacked the age so high that our children can't reach it anymore. So they have to fulfill their desires unrighteously. Over here, fruit unto death. We don't want people getting married today. What are you talking about? We're delaying marriage more and more and more. We don't want them to get married. What we're actually saying is we want you to be immoral and ungodly. God calls it evil. That's the simple definition. So those, those children today that are shrugging their shoulders or looking at you like, I'm not going to answer you. And they're not coming out and saying, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rise up and kill you. They're actually killing you one decision at a time. It's like being nailed to the cross as one of the thieves and having the bird come and pluck out one eyeball. And then the second eyeball. And then pick at you one decision at a time until there's nothing left of you as a parent. I deal with those type in counseling and have for 42 years. Parents who have been picked to death by decisions their children have made of, I will not say yes to you. And now you're a grandparent. That's the type of evil I'm wanting us to see today that many get sucked into this gray zone, they won't say yes and they won't say no. And if they mix the two together, which the scriptures clearly brought out that we read to you, there are people of the yes and no, it dumps them into this bucket of evil. In other words, if you confronted them about anything that was in that bucket, they'd go, well, that's your opinion if that's evil. That's your opinion that that's sin. That's your opinion that that's wrong. Satan didn't want people over here. Because he knows God can discipline them. He wants people in the gray bucket. Well, that's your opinion. Don't judge me. All these new age buzzwords we hear today with the emergent church is from this evil bucket. People of the yes and the no. 
They'll give you a yes and no, depends on what you're asking them. How many times have you asked someone something and they said to you, well, that depends on what? What does it depend on? Well, a lot of things, really. That's a subjective question. Oh, you mean, are you going to go to hell? Is that subjective? Looks pretty black and white to me. Well, that kind of depends. All right, what does it depend on? Well, how I live my life. And do you hear the emergent doctrines that surface out of that bucket that aren't even in the Word? Jesus said, you're going to hell if you don't come unto me. I am the only way, the truth, and the life. And no man that, that thinks he can get to my Father by not going through me is deceived. I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes unto the Father yet by me. It's black and white. That is a yes, Stephen. Either you join my doctrine or you go to hell. It's just that simple. You join my doctrine or you go to hell. You've got to be of the man of the yes. You've got to be of the God of the yes. You have to be of the spirit of the yes. Well, I've been told that one of the things in... Uh, discipleship that people don't really care for the most is my technique is when I ask a question I want a yes or no I don't want explanations well when he hit me I think yes or no we'll talk about it after you give the answer but yes or no did you strike out at your husband well he yes or no. I mean, you just try it yourself. If you're working with someone to take their responsibility for their choice of sin, they don't want to say it because it gets recorded in heaven. You think about it. Intuitively, every human knows that every word that comes out of their mouth gets recorded on God's recorder. They don't want to answer you. They have to be a yes or no. Well, that depends. Well, he hit me first. or he, yeah. No. Did you yes or no do this? Well, when they finally say, well, yes. Okay. Now let's talk about it. But that holding them to the yes and no is when they say, I, I want no part of this kind of counseling. Because they don't want to be nailed down. Do you see what I mean? You can't die unless you're crucified. I think that was the point, was it not? You cannot die unless you're nailed. So, yes is open palm being nailed. Is that a yes, Stephen? Yes! Will you do that again, Stephen? No! And he knows I'm going to. He prefers a yes and no. And if you convert it into a different answer down the road, he'll deal with it. He's a great God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He'll deal with it. But don't lie to him. Don't be a bowl of jello that can't be formed into a transformed life. I believe if you spend time in prayer over this chart, which is purely scriptural, you are going to have your life changed in the way you function as a child, a people of the S. And why do we need to be people of the S? Matthew 5, 38 through 45 says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I want to show you guys something. When you are dealing with your children or your grandchildren, and you are using the law to show them grace, you are reenacting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Here's what you're saying. Now, listen. Do not do as I'm doing right now. Do you have that? Let's get that out of the way. Don't do as you see me doing, because I'm really upset at you. Now you've laid the foundation of, will you please allow me to sin on you? Will you please allow me to use the law on you to try to show you what grace looks like? They don't mix. Those two roadways never touch. Law and grace, they never touch. 
The Old Testament uses the term punishing children because the rod was to drive them into, I just can't live this life anymore. Well, that's a good point because that's what the Old Testament's about. In the New Testament, it's discipline, it's training, it's moving the child into a decision of the yes. Complete different focus. So it's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And if you don't think that won't show up in your friendships, you don't think that won't show up in family members, you don't think that won't show up in parenting, then you are being deceived. An eye for an eye and tooth for tooth covers a very broad area. But Jesus said, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. That is a person of the yes and the no. You thought it was that evil guy that captured you on the pathway and had a gun to your head and said, okay, it's going to be my way now. No, Jesus is referencing people who are passive and they shrug their shoulders and they won't give you a straight answer. The people of the yes and no. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. I had to deal with that yesterday. This is a daily constant we have to embrace. If anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt. Let them have your coat too. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of the God of the yes, who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and also the good. In other words, there's no partiality here. It is what it is. Don't feel sorry for yourself if bad things are happening to you and go trying to blame God for it. Sin is everywhere. And sin is in us, but it's not of us in our identity in Christ. We are already children of the yes. And the recovery is the same way. It's one yes at a time. You're not out of debt when you go, okay, I'm not going to buy my food on credit card. It's so all those yeses lead you to be free financially. You're not free until there's enough yeses that have retrieved your true position of being the yes. Yeah, you have to, when you make so many choices that are not of the God of the yes, you have to, you have to talk and form a lifestyle that is emergent because you're so far away from the mark. So you turn things into God that aren't really God. You're so far out there. That's why white and black, if they touch, what's the color? Gray. That's why they could never touch. The law had to be fulfilled. So grace will stand alone. The yes will stand all by itself. You mix them, and you will destroy your family. Church family, household family, a national family. You will destroy your family if you mix law and grace. Well, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the power and authority of your word. We thank you for the freedom in Christ Jesus that comes with you being our yes. God, I know that I know there's going to be people around the world, different parts of the world, that's going to hear this message. And they're going to get it. They're going to get it instantly. I pray for an anointing to pour over those listeners. Those who truly get it. That they would be guarded and protected and that the enemy not, cannot come in with deception to have them make the old style of choosing in such a way that they think they're choosing righteousness and in reality, they're choosing unrighteousness. May the choices we make this week of the yes be choices of simply being 
of the yes. And I pray, Father God, this would be done in and through the blessed name and authority that Jesus Christ was given by you, which is now bestowed upon us in Christ's name. Amen. We want to thank you for listening in on our podcast today. This message comes to you by way of a podcast feed from Heartland Family Fellowship, a family-integrated church, which is an outreach of IOM America, right here in Sterling, Kansas. For more information about our church or international ministry, log on to www.iomamerica.org. And if you would like to connect to our fellowship, log on to www.heartlandfellowships.org. It's our prayer that the mind of Christ in you draws you into a deeper walk with Him.